Yep. So, you know, you need a bookkeeper, you need an accountant, you need a lawyer, you need a business coach, you need a financial advisor. And then you as a business owner need to do only the things that you can do to help the business towards that ultimate goal. And some of that has to do with sales. Some of it has to do with marketing. Some of it has to do with setting the culture. Welcome to the Land Life Podcast with your host, PJ Riley. Hey guys, how's it going? My name is PJ Riley, and this is the Land Life Podcast. Guys, if you're getting value from this podcast, go ahead and leave a like, leave a comment, subscribe if you want. Um, leave comments too if you don't like the podcast, if you don't like my background, um, you know, anything to do with the podcast, the, the volume. Uh, if you don't like my new haircut that I just got today, I just got it cut just specifically for this podcast. So, you know, make comments on that too. Um, guys, today we got a great guest. Uh, David Chudik. Did I say it right? You know, you're, you're, you're pretty close. Chudik. Yes. Chudik. Okay. I got, I got, I got close. Dave, what part of the country are you in? I'm in South Carolina, not too far from Greenville and uh, not too far, about 90 miles from Atlanta, which equates to about four hours of drive time, plus uh, taking your life into your hands in the traffic. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking earlier and I've, I've driven to Atlanta and it's, it's not fun. It's not a, uh, it's not a city you, you drive through because you really want to go on a nice Sunday drive. It's, pretty chaotic. Yeah. You know, traffic is the great equalizer. doesn't matter how much money you have, how nice your car is. It doesn't, <laughs> I mean, it, rich, poor, everybody's sitting still. And even if you go in that, that one lane where you can pay like $13 to go, you're going just slightly faster. So um, it's, it's a, it's a tough, tough deal. I don't, I don't, uh, don't Absolutely. love traffic. Absolutely. We'll, we'll drive through LA and we'll see. Um, it'll be all Porsches just stuck in traffic, nine lanes across, Half the cars are Porsches. They're still stuck with us in our rental minivan that we have. <laughs> All right, David, um, go ahead and give us like a, a, a close notes version of kind of who you are, what got you started and what you got you to the point where we're at right now. Wow. Let's see. So we have how long? Three hours, four we hours or all day long, all day long. So, yeah. So um, I'm David Chudik and I'm a financial advisor in uh, Seneca, South Carolina, and kind of, you know, what I talk about is that help, I, I help my clients to make the right financial decisions for them, for the reasons that are important to them. And if you think about it, like, how much of your life is really affected by money decisions? It's not necessarily, you know, oh, I have a million dollars, I don't have a million dollars, but it's, you know, have there been times where you had to say no to your kids going on a field trip or, or have you had times where you wanted to help somebody and you didn't have the money to help them? Um, so money is kind of, it's, it's so, so important to our lives just in, you know, I, I, I have this belief that money, how we, how we handle our money should enhance our lives and the lives of those around us. And, and it's just like your relationships. It's just like your health. It's just like anything else. Like you don't drift to the top of like the money mountain. You have to make good conscious decisions for how to handle your money. And, and, and again, money's just a tool. It's not a good thing or a bad thing. And we're not that far away from like paper money, not even existing anymore. There's going to be yeah. just debits and credits and crypto and Bitcoin or who knows what, but there's always going to be some form of currency that can be used good or could be, you know, not even used for evil, but just not used for positive influences on, on our lives. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what I do. I help people to make, make just the right financial decisions for them, which is tough. Cause you know, who wants to, you know, who wants to stop and, and look at maybe your, your, your investment accounts when they're not, um, not as high as they want, or who wants to be, you know, 45, 50, 55 years old and say, wow, you know, I wanted to retire at 60 and, and I have $20,000 to my name. And those are tough things to look at. So that's why working with a financial advisor just kind of helps you to put you in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say I'm, I'm a guy and, and, and I, my finances are a mess or I just need guidance. Like, and I come to you, I'm like, David, dude, I need help. What do I do? Where, where do we begin? What's step one? Yeah, well, the first thing is the truth will set you free. So regardless of what the truth is, um, and, and sometimes, honestly, people are like, holy crap, I'm not as bad off as I thought I was. Um, uh, so, so first thing, you know, you have to do with, with money or really anything else, right? I mean, you go to the doctor, they're going to take blood work to get baselines and they're going to weigh you. So we're going to kind of do the same thing. We're going to, 
we're going to talk about, you know, what are some of the things that are intangible? So, so what's important to you? Why do you want to get your money in order? What are some things that you want to happen? How do you feel when your money is in order? How do you feel when your money's not in order? You know, if you're married or have relationships, you know, what are some of the, the conflicts that you have that are money related? And, and what are some of the ways that money brings you together? And then, of course, we're going to look at all the, the, the actual, you know, measurable statistics. How much money do you have? How much debt do you have? Um, you know, how much money do you make? And, and just all of those kind of things. And then that's kind of the basis of a plan, right? I mean, you can't you know, you said you're driving in Los Angeles. Well, you know, until you know where you, you know, where you are, how do you know how to get to where you want to go? So we got to kind of first know, know what the facts are. And sometimes they're depressing, sometimes they're not. But, um, you know, I've, I've heard it said that, I think it was Dave Ramsey that said, you know, a lot of people who are kind of struggling financially, like you don't open your bills, because then you get to kind of like, not really acknowledge that you owe that money, but the fact that you have a bill that's unopened on your desk, the fact that it's not opened yet doesn't change the fact that you freaking owe the money. So let's deal with it and let's move in the right direction. Absolutely. So are we checking out credit? We're looking at um, kind of your debt to income, I guess, like that. Is, is that is that what we're looking at first? Is that like the, the ba- part of the baseline? Yeah, so so we do a balance sheet, and, and a balance sheet is going to basically kind of list your assets and list your liabilities. Right. And um, you know, uh, un- unfortunately, we're in America, and America is kind of the land of debt. And and I'm not one of those anti-debt, like all debt is bad. I mean, if if there's debt, I mean, I own real estate rental properties that that bring in income. So especially. Sure kind of, um, you know, got lucky and, and the, the mortgages are literally 3%. So, um, you know, I, I consider, you know, I consider that positive debt as long as, sure. you know, if the tenants move out, we can afford to float the payments for a little while if we had to. So that's fine. Um, you know, but, but, you know, if you have a 37% credit card bill on, you know, dinner that you paid for four years ago at a restaurant that you couldn't afford eating with people that you didn't like trying to impress them, well then, you know, maybe we need to get that knocked out. So we do a balance sheet first and that's kind of, kind of a basis. And then, you know, you have cash flow analysis. So, you know, people look at, you know, sometimes budget is a word that people don't want to talk about, or I don't know, you got, you got to tell your money where to go, but you also have to figure out where your money is going. So look, look back like last month and say, where did my money go? And, you know, your financial reality is different than my financial reality. My financial reality is different than somebody else's financial reality. So there are people that can afford a Bentley and, and it, it doesn't financially stress them. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. In that case, a Bentley is fine. I don't know about you, but I can't afford a Bentley. Mm-hmm. So a Bentley in that case would be really stretching me and it would put a horrible stress on my marriage because we couldn't afford it. And if anything else goes wrong, we can't eat, then we lose weight and then the dog starves to death. And, and it's just a, a horrible thing. So kind of knowing your financial reality is a really, really big kind of first step um, uh, for you personally. But also if you're a business owner, you have to know the same things about your business as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I see a lot of people driving around in bent in cars, not necessarily Bentleys, but in nice cars. Um, uh, you know, they have nice homes. They seem to have a new boat every year. Um, what part? What percentage of the country or in, in your business is in de- is buying are buying these things on credit? Are buying these items, these extra things on credit, and they're so deep into debt just to just to look like they're sure. they're wealthy or they're a big baller. Sure. Well, I can, I can give you an example. My office also. Um, um, I, I work with clients in investments and financial planning, but we also have kind of a department that handles home insurance, auto insurance, things like that. Mm-hmm. So my office manager was working with somebody who had. They had bought a lake lot and I think spent three or four or $500,000 on the lake lot, um, which is, that's just what they cost. And that's fine. Um, and then spent, I don't know, $900,000 or a million dollars building the house. So they, they were going to have, so she tells him the construction loan was ending and then it was going to become a permanent loan. And she told him, okay, so the home insurance needs to go in effect now and it's going to be $1,500 or 2000 or a thousand, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And this guy literally said, I'll have to wait until Friday to pay that. Just so, spent 1200, 12, $1.2 million putting a house correct. on the way. 
and can't come up with a, a thousand bucks. And, and, and we could have broken it up into, you know, 12, you know, one twelfth of that. So hundred, 150 bucks, whatever, literally was cutting it that close. So dude's not a bad person. Yeah. Um, he's not, you know, God loves him just like he loves me, but guys just basically buying something that he can't afford. Now there are other people that could have just paid for that, you know, and, and, and thought it wasn't even not that nice of a house. And there are other people that could never even dream of getting that situation. But yeah. this dude was beyond what his reality was and just overstretching him. So if you could imagine, you know, he probably barely, barely qualified for that loan when you're looking at ratios and everything. And, um, you know, things like COVID happen. I mean, things like layoffs happen, things like sometimes laws change and, and maybe a company has to lay off people because some law changed. And, and so things happen that are both in our control and out of our control. And when you don't have literally, you know, 150 bucks extra cash on a $1.2 million home, it's like, yeah, you probably could have bought the $500,000 home, which in this part of the country would still be a beautiful house yeah. and then have some financial margin. Because think about like, how often have you been stressed about money? You know, it stinks, right? I mean, when, when you know, so, you know, when you, when you put yourself in that position to like overextend yourself um, and that's where like the stuff becomes bad when the stuff is too much for, for what your reality Nothing wrong with nice stuff if the nice stuff doesn't have you, but if you're kind of the point where you don't, you literally don't have, you know, a couple hundred bucks extra on a million dollar house and that stuff, you know, whatever the reason you just, you shouldn't own that specific house because it's just not, 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 not within your reality. Sure. Yeah. I, I feel like I see it more and more lately over the past, maybe three or four years, you know, everybody has to keep, it's like keeping up with the Joneses is, is, is the old term. And it's like, you know, everybody's got a new boat. They've all got the new cars. They have, you've got to keep upgrading your home, no matter the cost. You've just got to keep doing it. Um, and then I, I noticed, um, I was watching the news the other day and they said that savings, the amount of people's savings has dwindled so low that it should run out by November, October, November of this year. Um, so are, are you seeing that as well on your end or is this just kind of media hype? Well, what you have to remember is the people... So there are kind of the, 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 the financial coaches, like the Dave Ramsey people of the world, and there's a place for them, but the, the, the Dave Ramsey coaches are doing great work, but they're working with people who are kind of, they, they've reached the bottom. They're like, I just, you know, I just, I can't handle this. You know, I, I've maxed out four credit cards on my, my second bankruptcy. Um, and then they work with like a financial coach. Oftentimes the people that are working with the financial advisor they they're they're not the the kind of the bottom of the barrel people because they're working with a financial advisor just like if you were if you're willing to pay a personal trainer you're going to do the work and you know you may not win Mr. Olympia but you're going to do a little bit more than you would on your own mm -hmm. and you're going to be a little healthier a little leaner yeah. a little stronger or whatever so most not all but most of my clients um you know, are, are, are on the right track debt wise. And if not, they're in, they're in a good place debt wise, or they're kind of moving it in the right direction. It's the people that, that are not working with someone, because let's face it, don't you make stupid decisions when you don't have any accountability? Right. I mean, I do. Um, well, that's my wife's so, question. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, the, the $1,500 month car payment seems like a great idea at the time, yeah. but then, you know, you get home and then, you know, if you have young kids, they throw up in it. And a week later, your $1,500 a month car smells like vomit. And it's, then it, then it's just a car. It's not, yeah. you know, it was awesome, but now it's just a car. So, and incidentally, um, I saw an advertisement for the new Jeep Wagoneer okay. and it said starting at $89,000 starting <laughs> for a Jeep Wagoneer. For a Jeep Wagoneer. I mean, so, you know, you put like air conditioning and like automatic, you know, transmission, it's going to be like literally over a hundred thousand dollars for yeah. something that I'm sure is cool, but you know, so very few people can legitimately afford a, or should legitimately afford a hundred thousand dollar vehicle. It's just, that, yeah. that's just a lot of money. So, yeah. And I, and I think you're going to see in the next coming months, people selling those things off. If they do have an extra, you know, a luxury vehicle, maybe a, a Porsche, a Ferrari, something in that, in that realm, uh, you know, fancy watches, they're going to be starting to sell these things 
off to, to get cash to kind of, um, you know, supplement the loss of, of their, uh, you know, their savings. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be a thing that we see here coming up soon. Well, and the other thing is, at least for the last year or two, interest rates have been historically low. Mm-hmm. So interest on for every $100,000 of money borrowed on a home at just roughly 6% interest that we're at now, you have a roughly $350 to $400 higher payment than you would have. So, you know, uh, you know, in, in our in our part of the country, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars buys a really, really nice house. But wow. if you would have bought that same house, you know, two years ago at three percent, you know, you're you're you know, you're at six or eight hundred dollars less per month. So, and the same thing with car loans is car loans, you know, interest rates have been lower. So, you know, it's never a good thing to really go into too much car debt, but at least at a lower interest rate. Now that rates are um, creeping back up, we all need to be really aware of like the cost of the money that we are, um, that we're borrowing. And, and, and is it an appreciating asset or is it, you know, is it an income producing asset or is it just a, a, de- a depreciating asset? We're not an asset at all, like going out to eat. <laughs> I don't, if you just, you just said $300,000, $400,000 was going to get you a nice house. I think you just convinced a lot of people to move to, uh, to South Carolina. <laughs> well, and that's honestly, um, you know, a lot of people from other you know, they retire down here because, you know, let's say you lived in New York City and and the amount of money that let's say like a school teacher or, or someone, you know, they make double and triple what you'd make down here. So, so you retire, you get that pension based on that great wage and you come down here and, um, you know, um, you know, three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollar house is an awesome house. You know, you go on the lake, you could be in the millions, but then you're still looking at a really, really, really nice house. So yeah. a lot of people kind of move to this area for that reason. <laughs> All right. So let's say the person, the, the, the person coming to you doesn't have a ton of debt. They did a lot of things either adequately or good. How can you make them more money? How can we make this situation even better? Sure. That, that's a great question. So you have to look at number one, you have to look at different buckets of money. Okay. So not all of your buckets should be earning a lot. So let's say that you work for a big company. Big companies do layoffs all the time. You get a letter saying, thank you. You know, here's, here's a month's worth of salary. You don't have a job anymore. So it would be awesome um, for a lot of reasons. So, so number one, you can keep your house. Uh, number two, you can feed your kids. Number three, just so you, you know, maybe you and your wife have, have less stress. It would be awesome if you had three to six months of living expenses. And I'm talking bare minimum living expenses. I mean, if someone got fired tomorrow, you know, going out to nice restaurants needs to not be an option, but, you know, paying, paying mortgage, paying, you know, kind of the basics. So if you had, think about like how, how much less stress you have if you have three to six or more months of cash in the bank. Now the cash is getting 0.00001% interest. But that's okay. That's what it's designed. It was not designed to do that. We'd like to have it earn something, but that's just not reality right now. But um, think about the people like when COVID hit. Yes, eventually the government sent you some money, but it took a little while. And, yeah. you know, the people who were like literally, you know, I'm supposed to get paid on Friday. It's Tuesday now and I have no money. Again, you're not a bad person. It's just, that's a lot of stress and you don't want to be in that situation. And then look at the other people that during COVID, the money stopped and they're like, okay, this stinks, but I have six months worth of money. So we're going to spend less money, um, but we're going to be okay. And, 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 And again, like you're not a good dad. You're not a good husband when you're stressed. You're not, so, so money, if you can take money stress away. So cash. Absolutely. Cash, first of all, kind of takes stress away. It doesn't grow, but it takes takes um, takes stress away. Um, then the next thing is you have to look at like kind of your core long term investments, and you have to have a risk management process, and you have to have kind of a way to to determine which investments you're picking. So a lot of people might say, you know what, I mean. I have an iPhone, right? It's a it's it's an Apple. So I like my iPhone. So I should buy Apple stock because my iPhone's awesome. Well, that in itself is not a great reason to buy Apple. There have been plenty of great products who were produced by companies that just were not strong financially and then they go out of business. So, you know, you need a process for picking securities for kind of your core 
core investments, your kind of your retirement. Um, and, 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 you know, a good rule of thumb is either hi- hire someone, you know, a, a financial advisor, or at the very least, always write down why you are buying or why you are selling a security. Okay. So I am buying this particular company or this mutual fund or this ETF for this reason. And, you know, because it's a cool product, isn't the only reason why you should buy something because lots of companies that make cool products go out of business. So, you know, do, do some fundamental, fundamental analysis, look at the company's financials, things like that, and then just make an educated guess on, on, on why you're buying that company. And the same thing when you sell. Um, you know, why am I selling this? Is it because I'm just afraid or are there actual legitimate reasons why this company maybe, um, again, has too much debt or there's a competitor coming out with a a product that's going to do better um, or there are legislative changes coming? So, you know, as you can imagine, uh, let's say that the government put out huge, 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 huge incentives for like electric vehicles. Well, certain stocks are going to do really well because of that. And certain stocks are going to not do well. So to kind of look at the legislative environment is, is, is important as well. So, um, so, I mean, you can do it on your own and, and, and there are lots of ways to do it, but it's kind of like, you know, again, you go back to that personal trainer, when that personal trainer is waiting for you at six o'clock in the gym, you show up and especially like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm a dude and I'm like, I'm not paying someone to handle my money. I can do, I mean, <laughs> gee, I can, I'm going to, I'm going to do my research and, and then you don't, you know, and then, you know, yep. we're all busy and then it just gets overlooked. So um, it, it can be done. And then, and then finally, like another, bu- another bucket, uh, you know, not looking at the 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 kind of your typical stock and, and bond portfolios is, is real estate. So real estate produces income typically. I mean, if it's rental. So, um, you know, we own a property for our son to live in in college and, and we have, you know, we have tenants that are paying, you know, they're paying the mortgage. So, you know, instead of paying his rent of six or seven or eight or nine hundred dollars a month for a college kid, we're making two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars awesome. per month plus you know, in theory, the home's going up by a couple thousand dollars, you know, a year in value. So, you know, when he graduates in three years, we can probably sell the house and walk away with $50,000 or 40 or 60 or whatever it is. But along the way, we've not been spending money because we, you know, we want to do what we can to have him graduate without debt. Um, And then you have like alternative investments, like there's, there's probably some money once you get to a certain point that if it, if it goes to zero, you know, you're okay because everything else is, is taken care of. But if it, if it really, really grows and does well, it's, you know, life-changing or, or generational changing. Yeah. So that's where some of the, some of the cryptocurrencies come in, um, you know, some private equity type things and, and things like that. So, so really looking at like your different buckets there, you can, you can afford to lose some money from different different amounts of money from different buckets. You can afford to take more risk for different amounts um, with with different buckets. But 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 the main thing like of of the plan is that you can sleep because it's like I know that I'm doing the things that I need to do and it makes sense. Now the terrorist bomb Wall Street tomorrow, you know, whatever planning you did is probably gonna, you know, at least temporarily um, you know, it, it's going to take a negative or, or COVID. I mean, you know, your hundred thousand dollar portfolio when COVID hit, it went to $70,000 pretty quickly. Now it went back up over a hundred quickly as well. So there are things beyond our control, but I think, I mean, don't you feel better when you're like, you know, that you're at least doing the things you're supposed to, and, and, and you have less stress. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are, are we saying this is a case by case scenario then depending on which customer, which person comes to you, um, <clears throat> Because I mean, stocks aren't looking so good right now, you know. So, uh, are, are and, and how are we? Let, let's see here. I'm just trying to rephrase this question correctly. How how do you prepare for each individual customer to come in? Is it always stocks are the most the safest, real estate then then the alternative uh, options? How how does that work? Like, how do you prepare for something like that? Yeah. So. Our firm, we are, we're an independent firm. So we have like no ties to, Hey, you got to sell this much of this for bonuses or so we can really tailor everything to the individual. So some of our first conversations are going to be the intangibles. What's important to you? 
you know, and, and, um, you know, what's important to your wife and, and, you know, where, where are some of the places where you have some, some money conflicts and, and um, we, we do, we have some questionnaires that give some model portfolios. Like if you had a hundred thousand dollars and it had the, the hypothetical chance to go up to 130 or go to 70, would you rather have that? Or would you rather have the one that could go to 150, but could also go to, you know, 30. So there's a bigger range and kind of get a feel for what, what you feel, because the ultimate reason why we want to have a good financial plan is for the results, but also for the sleep at night factor. So, um, so you mentioned stocks aren't looking so great. Well, maybe they are, I mean, or, or maybe depending on who you are. So, so how much is gas where you live right now per gallon? Four bucks, I think. Okay. So if I told you, you know, on the other side of town, there's a place that's selling it for a dollar. Wouldn't you fill up every gas can you could? Every and you would one. either sell it to me for $3 and make a profit, or you just would hold it until you could use it. So now if you need gas right now, yeah, the $4 price is kind of a tough thing. So yeah. the markets, depending on where you are um, in, in your, in your age, in your, in your other financial goals, you know, this dip could be a tremendous, tremendous buying opportunity. Or, you know, if you're 75 years old and your million dollars is down to, you know, 750,000, then it's not such a great thing, but maybe you shouldn't have had all your money in the markets because, you know, um, so that's where you kind of have to look at, look at everything, but, but there's always, always a positive. So like back in the eighties, if you bought a house, you would have been paying 15, 16% interest on the house, but you also could have put your, your money in a CD and gotten eight or nine or 10% guaranteed by the government. So, you know, high interest rates stink when you're borrowing money, but it's awesome when you're just putting money in the bank. Well, Low interest rates are awesome when you buy, want to buy a house and pay $300 less per $100,000 per month for mortgage. But when you get 0.0001% of money of interest on your money, then they stink. So there's always a financial, a financial positive and a financial negative to a lot of different situations. Yeah. So kind of staying on the, on the stock thing, uh, where do you see, I, I, I think it's a great time to buy right now. If, if, if I were, you know, in my opinion, it's time to buy. Like crypto stocks, all the things, um, you, you know, all those things are, are a good time to buy because everything is so cheap. At what point, in your opinion, is this going to start curving back upward? So, going back to the, you have to write down a reason why you are buying an individual security. Um, People kind of say generically, I'm investing in the markets. Well, the markets is just like a broad group of thousands of different securities. So I would bet that even during the depression, there were a few companies that their their stock prices went up. So um, it it really becomes, and that's one thing that we talk about in our firm is we don't invest in markets. We invest in individual companies who are led by really smart people and their jobs are to for these companies to earn a profit and for the shareholders, uh, for the share price to increase for the shareholders. So not to duck a question, but <laughs> we're looking at individual companies and there's there's always an opportunity with companies. And then even you can even long and short and, and leverage and, and things. And there's, you know, you can even make money when 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 securities are are on the way down. Now with that being said, if you had kind of a diversified portfolio, at the beginning of the year, you have less money now than you did at the beginning of the year. That's just the reality <laughs> of it. Yeah. Um, and um, but um, you know, again, if if you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s, and this is money that you don't need for a while, this is a great time to dump a lot of money in mm-hmm. to wise investments potentially because you are potentially buying at a discount. And you have to remember, like stock prices are based on emotion a lot. Um, you know. Uh, you know, when there's a chance of, of a, and it, it's both political parties. I mean, it's not, but sure. you know, if, if there's going to be a, a major change in, in, in who controls the house or the Senate, that always, not always, quite often it, it results in, in huge, just general stock market fluctuations because of either fear that, oh, if this party gets in, you know, we're all going to lose our money. Or if this party gets in, um, <laughs> it's going to be great for business. And quite yeah. honestly, it's, probably almost never as good or as bad as anybody thinks it's going to be, but um, yeah, you know, completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, Crypto. Mm -hmm. So 
in my opinion, only buy as much crypto in a general sense, only buy crypto with money you are okay with losing. So I bought I bought a decent amount of crypto uh, at the end of last year, let's say October-ish. Man, things were rocking. It was going up. I was going to get rich. And then December-ish came and it hasn't looked the same since. Mm-hmm. Now, it was fine because it was an amount of money that I didn't want to lose. But if I did lose it, it's not the end of the world, right? Um, as far as the crypto market as a whole, and, and I, uh, it's kind of the same question, I guess. Um, do you see a resurgence in this? Or is this just going to be a, um, a Bitcoin, Ethereum thing? Or, or, or is every, all the other coins going to come with it? Do you see a resurgence in crypto? I, I do generically speaking because yes. I, I I do feel like over time cryptocurrencies primarily Bitcoin but but possibly others are going to be a generally accepted form of currency now that's a good thing and it's a bad thing yeah. um, it's a bad thing if I'm if I you know if I'm selling sex slaves literally with money that's untraceable that's a really really bad thing because yes. it's hard to catch me or if I'm selling nuclear weapons to to terrorists and getting paid with Bitcoin that is virtually untrackable it's a really really bad thing. Now, if I'm someone who just feels like, you know, untraceable money and the government not knowing where I'm spending my money is okay and I just want freedom, then yeah, I mean, there's there's no harm in that. But but kind of the untraceableness of, of, of cryptocurrency definitely has some negatives. I mean, there's no question. Mm-hmm. It makes crime easier. Um, not that money laundering, if you watch Ozark, <laughs> yeah. can be done even with paper money. But, um, you know, it is... Uh, but... Over time, you know, cryptocurrencies are going to become a legitimate, uh, a, a legitimate form of currency. Now, going back to my Apple example, if you if you buy a share of Apple, I mean, you own one whatever it is, twenty millionth of a company, but you own something. You own part of their assets, and you're entitled to a small, small, small chunk of the earnings, and you own something that is literally tangible. Um, currently, you know, with cryptocurrencies you own something, but it's only worth what I might be able to, what I might be willing to give you for it. And, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, it is an asset, but, but, but it's not a piece of a company. So you're owning something less. So until there's some more kind of straightening out of the market, but I think over the long term, you know, I mean, I've lost money in crypto this year, just like everybody has. Um, but, you know, it, it may be like anything else, kind of a buying opportunity, for the amount of money that that you're totally okay with losing if it goes to zero, uh, and if it could literally, I mean, the way the crypto market's worth, you know, a couple thousand dollars could turn into millions as well. But yeah. um, but 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 the scary thing is, you know, once let's when Bitcoin becomes you know more and more mainstream as a form of currency and purchasing power, you know, these fluctuations of the value of it. I mean, you go to buy something that's like well. I can buy less of that product today with my Bitcoin than I could have yesterday, or I could buy a lot more of it because the, the value of my Bitcoin went up. So it's it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, and, and there's there's going to be more regulations. The governments are going to you know they're going to get involved. And and you know I, I don't like big government, but we need some government. So how much government is the right amount of government? That's all we could talk about that for for hours and hours. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean some portion of your exposure to to um, uh, to, to cryptocurrency. I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. It just has to be not next month's mortgage payment money. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. When it's interesting too, you know, I think there's a lot of um, misunderstanding with crypto when people say it's not traceable. Um, they taxed me on it this year. Mm-hmm. The government taxed me on it. The IRS came. I mean, they knew exactly how much I had and how much money I made in crypto. So, I mean, they are tracking some things. I think that's a, that's confusing to a lot of, especially younger people that think, I bought something and I sold it. I made a thousand bucks. I get a thousand bucks. Not really. Now that the government, the IRS is, understands how much you've made. And if you're using any of the normal uh, platforms to sell crypto, buy and sell crypto, they are tracking that. Absolutely. Um, I don't think a lot of people know that though. And it's just part of the massive confusion to crypto. And when you do, you know, when, like, like me, I got taxed on a loss. You got taxed on a lot of... Um, I didn't make any money this year, and yet I still got a pretty significant tax bill. Um, 
A lot of people don't know that. They weren't yeah. prepared for that. They weren't aware of that. So I think that's going to lead, that, that leads to a lot more confusion in crypto too, which would lead me to be fine with a little more regulation, you know, fine with a little more, at least understanding and um, maybe, maybe more people were to understand and, 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 and be able to explain crypto a little better. Well, if you've ever, like if you've watched TikTok or YouTube or anything, oh, yeah. almost never do you have an actual legitimate financial advisor giving recommendations to buy or sell any specific companies because there's so many regulations, which is why I can't tell you, hey, I think this X, Y, on a podcast, I think this this is a good stock that you should buy um, because we're, we're so highly regulated, which is, again, it's good and bad. And, and how much regulation should there be is a whole different issue. But, um, you know, with some of these other type industries, you know, you get some 17 year old that, yeah, maybe they didn't make $200,000, but that's when crypto was skyrocketing and, you know, you and I would have made it. And then now it's down. And so, you know, you're, you're getting a lot of kind of quote experts who are totally unregulated saying a lot of things that yeah. may be hype, you know, Hey, buy my course. And, and, you know, you can make six figures yep. in crypto in four minutes a day and you could crypto mine and, and everything else. And I'm not saying it can't happen, but yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody makes six figures in five minutes a day doing anything. Yeah. And, the, you know, until you're, you know, multi-billionaire and, and you're the time value of money's worth that much, but, but it, it takes much, much, much more work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're, you're exactly right. I think social media, while I, I love social media, I think it's great in a lot of ways. Um, as far as crypto goes, when I went to go learn about it, I didn't know a ton. And I honestly didn't have a ton of friends that really understood everything. So I did the exact same thing that everybody else does. I went to YouTube. I went to all the social media sites and it was very hype filled. It was very like exciting. And I, that's a huge red flag for me. Anytime you have, you know, somebody standing next to their Ferrari and then walking into their mom's basement, telling you how much money you're going to make, uh, following their lead, it's, it's kind of, um, it's a huge red flag, uh, but that's all that was out there. That's all I could find. Right. You know, that's really all I could find as far as like information on crypto. I feel like it's gotten a little bit better over the months and over the, the you know, the past, I've been doing it for six months. So over the past six months, it seems like it's gotten a little bit better. Um, but it, it's still, it was very, it was very confusing and very, uh, very hypey. It is, it is. And, and, one of our firm's actual kind of core beliefs with investing is you have to take the emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of the complete opposite of watching some hyped up TikTok video with probably some girl in a bikini and, you know, just stuff yeah. that, you know, isn't necessarily a reason to buy it. So going back to, you know, you should be able to write down some reasons why you're buying a security. Well, same thing with, you know, if you're buying Bitcoin, you need to be able to verbalize why you're buying it. And yeah. not just because it's the cool thing, you know, there have to be some reasons why you think it's the cool thing. And then it may be a good investment. But if it's just because, you know, hey, I saw that, you know, they were talking about on the news and Elon Musk said I should or I shouldn't or, you know, I mean, those in themselves are not good reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to shift gears real quick. Uh, what is the value builder system? Value builder. So if you think about it, most business owners their their biggest asset is their business itself and then of course they have some some they may have rental properties they may have you know IRAs 401k's things like that but value builder system is a way that i work with business owners to kind of improve the value of their business so that they can sell it for more money when they're mm -hmm. ready to sell or they can they can have an easier more profitable life today so if you think about let's say you have a, 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 you're a one person grass cutting business and um, you come to me and say, Hey, would you like to buy my grass cutting business? I would say, yes, I'll pay you for the value of that lawnmower. But beyond that, there's nothing to buy. There's no recurring revenue. There's no systems in place. You're basically working for yourself. Now let's say, you know, in another scenario, somebody comes to me and says, um, you know, I've built this lawn care company. We franchise it out. We have systems and processes. Everybody has a contract. Um, I, as the owner, am not involved in every single decision, so I can actually take time off. Um, 
I might be willing to buy that company in addition to buying the physical assets, the lawnmowers and trucks and things. Um, it's also spitting out money in the form of revenue that I as, or that the business owner is not involved in every single uh, transaction. Yeah. So, so, you know, many business owners say, you know, I I'm building this business and I'm 40 or I'm 50 and I'm going to retire at 60 and I'm going to sell the business. And then that's going to fund my retirement. Well, Number one, you've got to go back to the reality. Like, what is your business actually worth? And it's not worth what you think it is. I'll guarantee it. And number two, are there some things that you can do to increase the value and sellability of your business? And that's what the value builder system is. So, so I didn't want to like neglect as a financial advisor, like the biggest asset that, that, that business owners own. I want to help them to grow that asset, just like we're trying to help them to grow their IRAs and their, their mutual funds and their stock portfolios and, and everything else. So it's, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I think a lot of people too, they're, they're, especially initially, they are in their business. They're working in their business. They are involved in the day-to-day everything. They're not necessarily working on their business. So what you're saying is you're helping pull them out of the in and helping them work on their business so that it's a, a saleable asset, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Because okay. again, going back to... Um, um, if, 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 if my business broker is, is kind of negotiating a price to buy your business and they're saying, well, you know, tell me about your life. Well, and you say, well, I mean, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been out, I hadn't taken more than a day off in a row in, in five years. And well, that makes the business worth less because mm-hmm. it literally, if your name literally is in the title of the business, it makes a business worth less because customers are seeing you, they're seeing your name and they're assuming that you're the only person that can help them. So, so there's a lot of tricks, you know, oftentimes changing the kind of the trade name of a business, um, um, you know, recurring revenue and just these kind of things that, that allow you to sell the business for, for, and significantly more potentially. Um, and then that just, you know, that just gives more money at the, at the sale, more options, better terms. And, um, and all money really does for all of us is it gives us options. Yeah, that's interesting. And I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are business owners. Um, and, and some of them are, are struggling with a lot of different things like that. You know, um, they, they have a business, but they, they just need help kind of making it a real business. You know, they, they do this, maybe they call a guy to do this, um, but it's not one big thing, you know, one big asset. Uh, so you're helping people kind of make all these little parts into one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things that a business owner needs to graduate into doing is delegating. So I, I had a, you know, a dentist client a few years ago, and I remember he said, you know, I need to kind of get back to the office because I need to run payroll. And I'm like, dude, you're like, you have four or five or six hygienists and you are literally going into QuickBooks and generating paychecks and figure out how much taxes to withhold from that. When, you know, I know how much dentists charge and God bless them. I mean, they have a skill they have, but, you know, he probably bases his, his prices on four or five or $600 an hour, but this dude was running payroll when he could have paid a bookkeeping firm, whatever, hundred, $200 a month. Yep. So, you know, you need a bookkeeper, you need an accountant, you need a lawyer, you need a business coach, you need a financial advisor. And then you as a business owner need to do only the things that you can do to help the business towards that ultimate goal. And some of that has to do with sales. Some of it has to do with marketing. Some of it has to do with setting the culture. But, but I mean, you can't be doing, you know, all the, you know, I mean, it took me a long time to, to kind of get out of that mindset because, I you know, like I'm not too good to, to, to sweep the floor. Well, I'm not, but is that the best use of my time? Yes. And if the floor needs to be swept and, and we're short staffed, yes, I'll absolutely sweep the floor. But um, if I'm sweeping the floor all the time, I either need to figure out a way to generate more revenue so we can hire someone to clean the floor, or I just need to, maybe I'm just kind of almost, there's this prospect that I kind of don't really want to call because, and I'm just saying that I'm busy by sweeping the floor when I just need to call that prospect and see if they're going to become a client. If they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. So entrepreneurs are really good at being busy with stuff that doesn't generate revenue. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I noticed that too. When um, the sweeping the floor example, um, you know, I, I was under the same impression. I'm, I'm, I'm not too good to sweep the floor. Okay. So I, I get done sweeping the floor. Then I look over in the corner, someone threw some trash on the ground. Well, now I got to go pick that up. At what point do I stop being the janitor and start yep. being the person who owns the company? Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, if there's nothing wrong with it, don't get me wrong. If you want to sweep the floor, hey, that's on you. But at what point do you pick up the trash? 
And then you look and you see, oh, there's some dishes over there. We got to take care of that. And, and you basically just become the guy cleaning the office. And that's what you spend your entire day doing. Well, and you jump 20 years forward and you're like, you know, a business can, can, can bring in tremendous, tremendous wealth, mm-hmm. or it could really just be a struggle to stay afloat. And sometimes the, the small differences really are, you know, do you have those systems and processes in place? And are you holding people accountable to the systems yeah. so that you're not having to go put out fires? Because, you know, I, I remember hearing um, uh, Barack Obama in an interview saying, um, he said, being the president is like it's 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 a very difficult job because only the biggest problems make it to your desk. Yeah. So a lot of times the business owner they're not dealing. Let's say you owned a store. Each transaction doesn't go through you when somebody's buying, you know, a two dollar transaction. But when there's a problem that nobody knows how to fix, the business owner who really also doesn't know how to fix it gets involved, yeah. and then you have the big stressful problem. Hey, somebody stole something, or or you know, there's I don't know, there's there's no money for payroll. How do we come up with a credit line? You know, the the big problems uh, get 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 put on the business owner, and that that's what causes stress. Yeah, I, I want to go real quick. Um, let's say we are the lawn the lawn mowing service guy. You know, we have a, a business, we're, we're starting a business. All I do right now is cut grass. Where do I start? What is, what, what, where do I move into becoming a business? Do I hire a bookkeeper first? Do I hire the lawyer first? Who, who, where do we move first? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is, is to get with somebody to help you with your taxes, whether it's a okay. CPA or an EA or a bookkeeper, because, um, and you have to decide if you're going to form a separate business entity, which typically an LLC or something is a good idea. And then you have to separate you from the business. So when 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 you come to you know to my office and you cut the grass, you know, let's say hypothetically I give you fifty bucks in cash, that money needs to go into a business account that's separate from your grocery fund. Yeah. And then you know, so so you have to separate things for for a lot of different reasons. But I think you know, kind of how you handle the business money probably is is the first step and then um you know because that fifty dollars that's not fifty dollars that 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 i just gave you right. it's it's a lot less because depending on how, how you have even if you're the only person you're gonna have to pay um uh, payroll taxes on yourself you're gonna have to yep. buy gas for the lawnmower you're you know so so you're not gonna end up with 50 bucks so if you if you just spend 50 bucks on anything you're 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 digging yourself a hole so you you have to you know put whatever percent of that away for taxes for um, you know, for all of you, you know, your insurances, there's a lot of different things to have. Yeah. That, that's great advice because, uh, I remember that when I first started, I didn't understand what self-employment tax was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I just started a business. I figured sure. I make the money. Right. And I mean, I'll, I'll pay whatever the taxes are, but wait, there's self-employment tax, but yeah. most people don't understand that. So having a professional there and you do, you understand that the following year at tax time, which is after you've spent all the money that and there's no money saved. Left. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. After you spend everything and there's no money left, your accountant tells you, well, you owe, you know, $30,000 this year. You're like $30,000. Yep. I, I did not realize that. Uh, David, where can people find you? All right. Two places. Um, I host the weekly wealth podcast. So you can find uh, weekly wealth podcast on, on all the platforms or you can go to www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. We talk about the mindsets, tactics, and strategies that can help you to build wealth. So we talk about everything from kind of budgeting things to upper end high net worth and everything in between. I've talked with therapists on how to manage stress. I've talked with doctors on how to be healthier. I've talked with um, a, a therapist on relationships and everything else. And then also, if you're a business owner, check out my website, allofmyassets.com. And that kind of talks a little bit about how to manage your business as an asset as well. So weekly wealth podcast, allofmyassets.com, or you can just email me, david at parallelfinancial.com. I'm always happy to do a 20, 30 minute Zoom or in-person meeting with anybody about anything that's kind of keeping you up at night money-wise. If there are some next steps, we can talk about those, but sometimes, you know, just, um, um, you know, I can point some, uh, some, some general guidance uh, just off of a 30 minute conversation. That's awesome. That's super helpful. Thank you for, for doing that too. Um, yeah, guys, all the, all that information will be in the, in the show notes as well here at the, at the bottom of the, of the, uh, the screen here. So uh, David, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up? Now, just, you know, use your money to make your life a better, a, a better place. Don't, don't be, if you've ever seen any of the ESPN 30 for 30 broke where it's yeah. about athletes and, and you might think what kind of an idiot would spend $20 million and go broke. Well, yeah. 
I probably would, you probably would, because you've never been there. So it's not very rarely, is it a problem of, of income? Um, it's, it's almost always a product of just poor management. So, Mm -hmm. so don't neglect the little things in your life. Don't neglect your relationships. Don't neglect your health. Nobody gets fat from one Oreo, but people do get fat from 10 Oreos a day over the course of a year. Um, and nobody really goes broke very often from one bad financial decision. It's just kind of the compounding, you know, I spent $5 here, $7 there. You know, I wanted a nicer car than I could afford. So I, you know, I borrowed more money than I should have. And, 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 and I started a business and I didn't learn about payroll taxes. So I didn't plan for that. And then you're like, holy crap, I owe a bunch of money when if I would have yeah. just planned for it. So don't neglect the small things and get help from professionals. Excellent. David, great, great advice there. Okay. Here's the big question. All right. You ready for this? I'm ready. Here it is. We are land life. I buy and sell land. Not exciting. Just trees and dirt. If you, David, could buy land anywhere in the entire world, where would it be and why? So that is a super interesting question. <laughs> um, I have a sister-in-law and two nieces that live in Switzerland and oh. they just were here visiting. And interestingly, they wanted to do something American. So we went to a gun range um, and we <laughs> shot guns and they thought it was the coolest thing. Um, you know, I, I think there are some beautiful places in Europe that would be awesome. Um, but I would almost say that instead of buying kind of, I would, I don't know, I'd work from like everywhere. Like, you know, once the kids are grown, you know, have laptop, have Wi-Fi, we'll travel. I mean, I think there are so many beautiful places in the United States. I mean, even seeing things like, um, you know, the Middle East and some of those cities that they've built like out of nowhere and then seeing. So I don't know. I mean, the world's a beautiful place. It would be interesting. And, and, you know, the digital nomad thing would be kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know guys that do that. Have you, have you looked into that actually actually doing it? Like, um, as far as if you put any plans in a place to make that happen? Oh, no. I mean, I don't like traveling that much. It's like, (laughs) it's like one of those, you know, pie in the sky things that seems awesome until you have to wait in line, you know, in in an airport. You're like, you know what, I'm just going to go back to my house in Anderson, South Carolina and and watch the travel channel. And um, yeah, yeah. Look up um, Fiji online. Look up Fiji. I mean, uh, you know, uh, getting to the destination, I don't love. I mean, airports are just not fun places. Not fun at all, especially international travel. It is long and it's not fun at all. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, David, thank you so much. Uh, Guys, till next time on Land Life. Awesome. Thanks for having me.